Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Every one of us have thorny situations in our lives. Every one of us have thorny relationships in our lives, thorny desires, circumstances that create kind of like when it's nine degrees below zero outside, just can put you, some, some of us, maybe not you, Mark, but some of us might be in a bad mood because of that, right? And it, it's kind of prickly and barbed with challenges, and we're beginning a new series in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to talk about all of these challenges that the early church dealt with. See, there were divisions, there were church cliques, there were groups that people felt excluded from, there were elite moments that other people felt like they were not a part of. Kind of sounds like church today, doesn't it? Not a lot has changed over thousands of years. We struggle as humans to get along in our marriages, in our friendships, in our church relationships, in our vocational relationships. All of us have these different sorts of challenges that create these thorny moments in our relationships. And so today we're going to talk about how we can become thirsty followers of Christ in the midst of these thorny situations that God wants to use to develop his character in us. I want to invite you this morning to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device. I want to invite you to share the service this morning. Uh, we have had a healthy sum of people in both services online. We welcome you to the service this morning. I think we just eclipsed zero degree just a moment ago. I think it's now one degree outside. So we celebrate that one degree, don't we? And we just need to keep pushing it a little further north. Well, today, as we jump into this, I want you to think about ways in which you have experienced offense in your life. And then I also equally, in all fairness, I want you to think about the ways in which you've been offensive. Because all of us will see ourselves in relationship from time to time, we will see ourselves as the one that's been offended. But you know as well as I do that the longer that we're in relationship, we're also going to be the offender. And there's going to be times in our lives when we have to recognize both. And so today we're going to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. And we're going to answer this question today. How do thirsty followers of Jesus deal with thorny divisions in the church? Look at verse 1. 
So Paul called by the will of somebody say it. By who? Come on, say it a little louder. By the will of who? God. To be an apostle of, somebody say it, who? Okay. And our brother, someone want to pronounce this name for me? Sosthenes or Sosthenes. What is happening in verse 1? Paul is giving greeting. He's introducing uh, the letter that he's sending to the Corinthians. But he's doing a couple of things, and actually he's doing three things, and I want to point these out to you. First of all, he's establishing his authority from God. Look at verse 1 again. He's called by the will of God. He is establishing with the people that he's writing to, what I'm getting ready to say to you are not just my words. These are the words of God. God has called me to say these things. He's called me to establish these things. And then he says, the will of God to be an apostle of, somebody say it again, Christ Jesus. Now, I want to come back to that in just a second. Who is Sosthenes? Who is this guy? Well, it would be like me saying, I write this letter to you from Kelly and Mark. And then thousands of years later, people are going to go, who's Mark? Which Mark? Right? I write this letter to you, Kelly and Paul. Okay, which Paul? Do you see the point I'm making? I write this letter to you, Kelly and Craig. Which Craig? Each of these names are common names in our society. Sosthenes is a common name. It is a common Greek name. And most scholars believe that he was more than likely a leader in the Corinthian, you ready? in the Corinthian synagogue. Now, this is where the rub comes in. Early churches met in synagogues. Synagogues were established by Jewish people. Jewish people did not believe Jewish Jesus was God in the flesh. Some of them did. Most of them didn't. So they come into the synagogue, and it's like, um, well, we've got the traditional service at 8 a.m. That's for the Jews that don't believe Jesus is God. Then at 10 a.m., we've got the contemporary modern service, and that is for Jews and Gentiles who believe that Jesus is God. Now, that's what church is kind of like, okay? And I realize that the whole issue of Jesus is a much bigger issue than than the version or style of worship that we do. But you have to understand that, that when the early church began, it didn't have buildings. And they met in the local synagogues, and a lot of those Jewish converts were a part of the Greek converts, and Sothenes was one of those. So imagine Paul writing a letter and saying, listen, I am writing to you by the will of God. 
I am an apostle of that guy that you're not sure you believe is God. His name is Jesus. So that sets the stage for divisiveness. That sets the stage for challenges that we're going to see in chapter 1. As they work their way through this, there's always going to be challenges. And a lot of us say, listen, I'll just stay away from all the divisions of the church. And I'll just stay away from this and I'll stay away from that. And let me just tell you the progression that I've watched in people's lives over the years. Well, you know, and this, and, and granted, we can add another step now that we have live stream. Well, I'm not sure, you know, I need to go to church to be a Christian, uh, so I'll stay home and I'll watch it online. Well, why do you need to watch it online to be a Christian? Well, you know, maybe I won't watch it online. Maybe I'll just study for myself and we'll have a home group. Well, why do you need a home group? This is the enemy, by the way, talking to you. Well, I don't know that I really need a home group and, uh, you know, I don't really like those people. Those, those people don't really like me and that's, you know, that's a little inconvenient and I got tired of them messing up my house. So here's what I'll do. I'll just, uh, I'll just worship Jesus by myself. Well, why do you need to worship Jesus by yourself? Well, I know what I'll do. I'll just give my Christian library away from, to somebody because I don't really need it anymore. And then before you know it, there's nothing left. There's nothing left. You've abandoned everything about what you once believed because you're avoiding the offense that you don't know how to deal with. And see, thorny situations produce division. And division produces dissension. And dissension produces departure. And departure produces isolation. And isolation eventually produces destruction. That's how it works. And you have to ask yourself where you're at in this whole pericope, in this process of your faith right now, and the challenges that are before you. Verse 2, to the church, of the God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Somebody say it. How? Oh, together. Together. With all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Now, I want you to notice in this passage how many times this passage says, Jesus Christ, Lord? I'm going to come back to that. That is not an accident. And I want you to observe that. Now, when it says called to be saints together, we introduced this last week. If you have your program, I want to kind of draw your attention to it again today. We have a welcome uh, table back uh, to my left, your right. Uh, behind you, we have a prayer table uh, to my left, your right. And we have, what's your next step? And last week we talked about, I'm new to Vanguard. And this week we want to emphasize that I want to give my life to Christ. Now you might look at these six steps and say, where am I at in this process? You might give us your name, your number, your email. You might share a prayer request with us. We would love uh, to get that. You can drop it in the, uh, at the table in the prayer box. 
This past Wednesday night, we had our prayer and fasting night. And so we started our fast Tuesday night at 6 p.m. We ended it Wednesday night right here in this room. We had over 100 people that came and was a part of this evening of fasting and prayer. We broke the fast together. Uh, We prayed together. There were nine people that fasted for the first time in the history of their life. That was amazing. That was incredible. And then something happened that has never happened in the history of prayer and fasting night. I didn't see it coming. I didn't know to expect it. You say, what was it? We had someone that gave their life to Christ Wednesday night during the prayer and fasting night. Amen? You say, where is he? He's in this room right now. Amen. Amen, huh? Amen. Can I pick on you? Is that okay? Jacob, would you stand so we can congratulate you on giving your life to Jesus Christ? Jacob, this is what it's like to be a part of a family. And I just want you to know that just like your biological family, we're not perfect. We fail, we have divisions, we have thorny situations, but you have grown our faith by giving your life to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Come on, amen? amen? Let's give him another hand. Thank you so much, Jacob. You may be seated. See, there's nothing like together, right? No one wants to celebrate Christmas alone. No one wants to celebrate their birthday alone. You go, well, I do. Well, there's something wrong with you. We need to talk, okay? What makes something special is that we get to be together. We get to be together and we get to celebrate together uh, this calling that God has placed on all of our lives. He says, all those who are in every place. So how do thirsty followers of Jesus deal with thorny divisions? Number one, remember that we're called to be saints together, together, together. So how in 2024 are you going to press into the thorny situations of your life that are awkward, that you don't like, that are uncomfortable? Okay, and we've all got them. And you're going to... Look for ways to live out your faith together with others. Now listen to what Jesus says in John 17, 23. Because he was talking to his disciples, who, by the way, they really struggled with thorny situations too. Listen to what Jesus says. I in them, speaking of his disciples, and you in me, speaking to his heavenly Father, that they, the disciples, may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. See, if we can figure out this together thing, what's going to happen is other people are going to come in. And I'm not asking you this, Jacob. I'd love to pick your brain at some point. Other people are going to come into our fellowship, and they're going to feel our love for each other. And they're going to want that. They're going to want to be a part of that. 
And so the enemy knows that. And so the enemy wants to destroy your desire to be connected to other people. Because if the enemy can destroy your desire to be connected to other people, then he can destroy the effectiveness of the gospel through you. So God wants you and I to work together. So look at what Paul says in verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we uh, deal with these thorny divisions? Number two, we ask God for grace and peace to seek unity, not for ourselves, but for Jesus. Some of us seek unity because we don't want to deal with conflict. That's not what this is talking about. We ask God to increase our grace, to increase our peace, to seek unity for Jesus. We all need increased grace. We all need increased peace. I don't know about you, but 2023 kind of beat the life out of me. It just did. And I don't just mean one day. I mean many days. Many days. It was a tough year. It was a very tough year. And some years are tougher than others. They're all tough uh, in their own way, and they're all good in their own way. But some years are tougher than others, and I found 2023 to be a pretty tough year. Matter of fact, at the, when I was in the month of March, I was like, Lord, if you don't do this, I don't think I'll be able to do this. And guess what? He didn't do this. So I got to do this without him doing this. Maybe you can relate. Well, God, I don't think I can handle this. And so therefore, I don't think I can do this. So the Lord didn't do anything about this. And I still, and this was worse than I thought it was going to be. That's the truth. And I found in 2023, I would wake up and before my feet hit the ground, I could feel the spiritual war. I could feel the scarcity feeling, the scarcity mindset. I could see all the areas of lack and I could see, I could feel all the areas of fear. And they were very real. And then this past Tuesday, I woke up with supernatural peace. And massive relief. You say, what happened? I don't know. You say, what changed? I don't know. You say, well, how's it different? I don't know. Just like I couldn't explain to you all of what was going on in 2023, I cannot explain to you what happened on Tuesday. But I can tell you, I was there. It happened. And God increased my grace he increased my peace in the midst of the story of my life. I'm not special. I'm just one of God's children just like you are. And I will tell you this, the same thing that he has done for me, he will do for you. The Bible does not tell you to ask for grace and peace and then him not give it to you. And I begged God in March to change the circumstances and see, I finally got to the end of the year and realized, huh, maybe I should stop focusing on the external and start focusing on the internal. 
and start expecting God to do something inside of me that he's not yet decided to do outside of me. And I would encourage you to welcome that same thing into your life. And you say, did you understand what you were doing? No, I had no idea. There's so much of the spiritual life that you stumble over and bump your head into the wall and realize, oh, that was really good. How did we end up here? And if you don't give up, you'll see it. Look at verse 4. I give thanks to my God. How often? Always. And this is something that I learned to do in 2023 that I'd never have done before in my life, is that when I wake up in the middle of the night worried, fretting, angry, frustrated, anxious, I just say this, Lord, you are good and your love never fails. Let me go back to sleep. You say, what happens if it doesn't? I just keep saying the same thing. Lord, you are good. Whatever situation that I'm fretting over, you're good in that situation too. And he's like, well, how's he good? I don't know. It's not my job. There's a reason why they don't call me God, okay? I don't have the resume to back it up. But there's a reason why we call him God, because he does have the resume to back it up, and he's sovereign. And so, Lord, you're good, and your love will endure forever. It will never fail. It will never fail. It will never fail. And when you pray this blessing over you, when you give thanks to God always, there's beauty that comes from it. For you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you are enriched in him, all speech and all knowledge. And even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you're not lacking any gift as you wait Keyword, wait, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 8, who will, not may, will sustain you? To the what? To the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's that Jesus again. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He just Jesus is this passage like crazy. Principle number three, how do we deal with these thorny divisions? Tell yourself, by God's grace, I can do this. By God's grace, I can do this. By God's grace, I will do this. I can do it, and through him, I will do it. I will do it. I love to say to people, hey, put, you know, put, put, put your finger on that. Find, do you find it? Find your pulse? As long as you've got a pulse, you've got a purpose. Now, as long as you've got a pulse, you've got pain too, okay? But as long as you have a pulse... God has purpose for you. And just remind yourself with that simple heartbeat, that simple breath. I may not know what it is. I may be utterly confused by it. I may be terrified to contemplate it. But I have a purpose. And I will see it to the end. The end. 
Verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you, somebody say it, do what? Oh, my goodness, that we all agree. Well, if, if that happens, this will be a miracle, right? I mean, think about our society, right? Think about all the ways in which we're offended and we disagree with each other. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. So how do we deal with these thorny divisions? Number four, we seek unity over uniformity. We seek unity over uniformity. My philosophy in how I lead the staff at Vanguard, over 27 years, my hope and my desire is that every staff member at Vanguard, this is my goal, that you leave a better person than you came. I'll I have told you accountable to do your job. It's my responsibility. Uh, you know, there's a paycheck involved with the church and so forth and so on. Just like any business, there is a business side to the church. And I am not only responsible for the word of God, the Bible, but I'm responsible for the business of the church as well. And that is, that is a very complex uh, reality. It is sometimes a very difficult uh, combination to deal with. But I will tell you this, it has always been my heart's desire and it will always be my heart's desire that I help the staff member develop to become the human being first that God has created them to be so that they can live out who God has called them to be. And it is not offensive to me. Now, sometimes it's sad, but it's not offensive to me when somebody leaves the staff of Vanguard and goes and does what God has called them to do. That's a beautiful thing. Every one of us should be doing what God has called us to do. But as my pastor said in Texas, he said, the best advice I can give you is don't ever leave, always go. And if God's not calling you to go, don't leave. Because if you leave, you'll just keep leaving. And you'll leave for the wrong reasons. But if you go, you'll always go for God's reason. And that's really important. It's really important. And if you're going to do what God has called you to do, then guess what'll happen? If God points, then God produces. If it's God's favor that's leading you, then it's God's fruit that you'll see in your life. And so I take this very seriously that uh, my desire and my job at Vanguard is to raise up leaders for God. And that's what I did as a, as a dad. My desire as a dad is to raise five leaders for God, to be who God created them to be and to ask that question over and over again, God, who did you create this child to be? God, who did you create this staff member to be? God, who did you create this church member to be? 
So there's a couple of things that lead me in this. First of all, letter A, value harmony over division. Value harmony over division. I find in church settings, whether it's staff or church members, I find that people need to come up with all the things they don't like about where they're at so they can leave. That's a terrible approach. Because I got news for you. When you get where you're going, you're going to find things you don't like. And, well, I'm going to leave her, marriage now, I'm going to leave her and go get me one that I don't have any problems with. Well, here's the thing. You won't get to take what you like about her with you. So you'll get one that you like something about her that wasn't true of her, but you got to give up what you liked about her to get her. And this is how it works. And I got news for you. I can give you a heads up right now. There are no perfect people. There are no perfect pastors. And there are no perfect churches. And as my dad said one time, I remember this as a kid, if you find a perfect church, don't join it or you'll ruin it. <laughs> Amen? If you find a perfect person to marry, don't marry them because you'll ruin them. You'll ruin them. And the whole point of all of this is to learn to become who God has created you to be and stop being the victim about how other people have treated you and learn or how other churches have treated you or how people in the church have treated you. There's nobody been more mistreated by the church than Jesus. And yet he loves the church like nobody else does. Amen. Second of all, value purpose over preference. Value purpose over preference. We have a mission of loving people into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. We have purpose as a church. Each of our events have purpose. They, they exist with purpose. And there's going to be times when you become a part of a family, you're going to go, well, I don't really, you know, I really wouldn't do it that way. Well, you know, it's interesting. You're not the one doing it. Huh. And see, that's part of leadership. And that's why I believe in the plurality, somebody say it for me, plurality of leadership. See, we raise up leaders. And sometimes leaders come back and go, as Pastor Jenny, as you said to me one time, is that what you feel like all the time? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it is. Leaders lead with purpose. Verse 11. For it has been reported to me, or as we say it in the church, some people have been saying. It's my favorite line in the church. Some people have been saying. You by chance know those people's names? Well, <laughs> could be me. I'm just going to be honest with you. Thank you. It's been reported to me by Chloe's people. I love this. This makes me really laugh because church hasn't changed in 2,000 years. Chloe's people have been saying that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. The enemy can easily sidetrack us from our purpose. And we're going to have to make a decision. Are we going to focus on fighting with each other or are we going to focus on fighting the good fight? Because we do have a fight. We all have a fight to fight. But are we going to fight with each other 
i.e. our marriages, i.e. our families, i.e. our church, whatever. Or are we going to fight the good fight together? And are we going to recognize who our true enemy is? Verse 12. Now, what I mean, Paul says, is that each one of you says, well, you know, I follow Paul. Oh, that's your group. Well, I follow Apollos. Oh, that's your group. Well, I follow Cephas. Ooh, y'all got a good group. Well, you know, me, I just follow Christ. Right? And, and there was these divisions that were forming. Do you know what gets you divided? Do you know what gets you off track? Do you know what throws you off your game? Verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Come to think of it. And then this Paul says this. I love this. Well, I thank God that I baptized none of you. Well, except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. Well, I did baptize also the household of... Sta- I love this because he makes a very bold statement and then realizes, well, you know, I do remember baptizing and baptizing. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else. By the way, I can't remember. And, and you know what? As you get older, it's just like if you have multiple kids like we do and one of our kids will say to us, well... Uh, who used to do this? I, go, I don't know. I can't tell you. It's been too long. And, and there's a certain point when Paul is making a point here. There's so much about life that in the moment feels so important. And then you just forget. You forget. You forget. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. But he does remember that. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of the power. Did you catch that? See, our unity affects the effectiveness of the gospel. So how do we deal with these thorny divisions? Number five, we've got to seek Christ over a clique. You know why we pick cliques? Real simple. They agree with us. You want to know how to avoid having cliques in your life? Have somebody in your life that doesn't always agree with you. That's healthy. That's healthy. It's healthy to have somebody that's speaking something into your life that you don't want to hear. Amen? Now, there's something that I've observed in the 21st century that was also happening in the first century right here. We have churches in America and across the world, and they love to talk about God, but they never mention Jesus. You can go to their websites, their sermons, their songs, 
and it's God, 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 God. Good vibe, good vibe, good feelings, positive thoughts. Huh. Well, that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus. And that's why we exist. To love people into a real relationship with Jesus. 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 You know, my pastor friend, been a friend of mine for many, many years, Pastor Al Pittman, he pastors Calvary Worship Center here in the city. He and I have been friends for, I don't know, 20 plus years. And uh, he said to me not too long ago, we were talking at a pastor's gathering here at Vanguard. And he said, you know, the blessing is always handed down. I said, yes, Pastor Al, I know that. I know that. I remember when I was a teenager dating Tasha and her parents. We were in a tough moment and they did not want us to date and did not want us to get married. And so we made a very difficult decision and we broke up. We ended our relationship and we waited and we waited and we waited and we waited until they gave us their blessing. And I want to encourage you, a massive amount of division in the church would end if we would practice the principle that the blessing is handed down. It is never handed up. It is never handed up. You don't hand the blessing to yourself. You wait on the Lord for it to be handed to you. And I will never hinder a Vanguard staff member who believes God is calling them. God is calling them. But I will always ask for clarification as to how God called because God doesn't have a strange ring on his phone that doesn't sound like the Bible. And whenever God calls and you pick up, you're going to hear Jesus on the other end. And if there's any other name, if there's no name, then that ain't God. I'm sorry. And the way that we stay unified is not agree to get along so we get along. The way we stay unified, you ready? His name is Jesus. And if Jesus isn't in the middle of it, it ain't worth being a part of. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.